Hello and welcome to the National Leprechaun Museum's Talking Stories podcast. Uh, obviously it's Mark back again, but this week I'm joined for the first time and definitely not the last time by one of our newest additions to the museum, Tara. Hello, um, I'm Tara. I am the Marketing and Social Engagement Coordinator here at the museum. I'm delighted to be here on the podcast today. Yeah, now that comes across as sounding quite corporate, but yours ingrained in the stories and have grown up with it the same mm-hmm. as Annie the rest of us, that just you just have possibly the most impressive and intimidating title in the museum. It's all in the title, yeah. It's all in the title, yeah. But um, today we're actually dealing with uh, possibly the sexiest topic we've ever dealt with. Definitely. Yeah, because Polly's going to be telling us a story later on called The Great Potato. So we're going to talk about potatoes on this and you were saying yourself and Lenny were talking at the front the other day and decided a potato is the greatest food in the world. It is. It's definitely the greatest food in the world. You can do anything with a potato. Anything. I, I'm a massive, I'm a massive fan uh, of potatoes. But uh, but you have a connection to potatoes anyway. Yes, my family for generations have been potato farmers, growing potatoes, picking potatoes. It's all we've known. <laughs> it's weird because you're not even joking. That is, no, it's 100 percent true. I definitely <laughs> look like I come from a field. No, no, I know you do. And I'm just wondering why you didn't have it on your CV. I know. It's my most sellable point. It is It is your most sellable point, And that says so much more about you than you realise. Um, but yeah, so potatoes are a big thing for you. But they, like, they literally were a massive part of my upbringing. Okay. In that I had a dream, Tara. Oh, go on. I had a dream. And I wanted to get into the Guinness Book of Records for the world's longest potato peel. To the point where I had, like, my friend's mothers, if they came across quite a big potato, would go, are you seeing Mark today? Will you give him this potato? Because that was my dream. Like one just continuous round oh, and round. Oh, yeah. Sat- even just the thought of it, the, how satisfying that is, an unbroken potato peel like that would just be the most amazing thing in the world. Like being in school and sharpening your pencil and seeing how much you can get it to curl. Did, that did nothing for me. I think it was the potato element of it. And when I had a paper round when I was 13 years of age on a Friday when I would be able to take my money out of the, out of the paper money, I would go down to um, Matassa's Chipper in Tala and I would go in there and it was always Carlo there on a Friday evening and I'd make the same kind of comments that I wanted to work in the chipper uh, just so I could peel the potatoes for them. Wow. That was my dream job. And look at me now. Look yeah. at me now. I <laughs> I am experience manager of the National Leprechaun Museum in my 12th year of doing this job. But still deep down, I think if Carla was to ring me tomorrow and offer me a job peeling potatoes, I would wa- I would run away from this place. So deep is my dream to peel potatoes. Wow. I've never actually looked up to see what is the record for the world's longest potato peel. I didn't think there would have been one. There, there definitely is. I mean, I literally have the internet at my fingertips and I'm afraid to look <laughs> because I would become obsessive about it. And was it just to get the the recognition for that or did you have a plan for the peel once it was done? I had no plan for the peel. But that, I mean, stuff like that does get used an awful lot. This is not just about you being a potato farmer and me loving potatoes. Uh, potatoes have been important to the Irish people since they arrived in Ireland. Uh, it's quite a murky history, though. It's mm-hmm. not too clear. Um, but we see that in the early 18th century, it's such a stable part of the Irish diet. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cull which we'll talk about later on, and maybe we'll actually even put out a recipe, because it is the time of year yeah. um, for, for Cull Cannon. Um, coming up towards sale, it's really important. But we see, yeah, in the 1730s, it is a stable part of the 
of the Irish family meal plan. Mm. All the carbs. Yeah. Just give me all of the carbs. I will take potato in whatever format it can be given. Yeah. A potato wedge roll is the best thing to get from the deli. A potato wedge roll? Yeah. Potato wedge be your top form of potato? I think so, yeah. Probably. Okay. Mm. Waffles are very good though. See, any if I mention any way of preparing potatoes, you're going to go, oh yeah, no, that's good too. Yeah. There's yeah. no bad way there, to There isn't potato. a bad way to cook a potato. And it's that's really just not. eating them. And that's just eating them. They have so many more uses outside of that. Potatoes will be used for cures. As I said, they were used for divination. Mm-hmm. If you peel the potato, similar with an apple as well, mm. if you threw the peel over your left shoulder, it's always the left shoulder, by the way, yeah. and that's weird. But if you threw it over your shoulder, then um, whatever it, letter it formed was the first letter of the person you were going to you were going to fall in love with. Wow, I yeah. never knew that. Yeah, yeah, it's all, and, and it works as well, so I believe. Yeah. <laughs> try that out later <laughs> yeah I don't think you can get a t-shape from uh, from trying potato over your shoulder I'll get it to work no you won't <laughs> just be destined to die alone <laughs> saying that you can't get an M out of it either um, but yeah it was also used for cures it was a big one with warts because oh. I know that was a thing that like my mother used to do if we had a wart on our hands and we were dirty children let me be very very clear we were very dirty uh, you just cut a potato in half and you rub it on the wart. I imagine the starch would play a part in that. Mm. Like it comes from somewhere. The unusual thing about that tradition was the idea that you then buried the potato. Oh, like it, you, the wart wouldn't go unless you buried the potato. Oh. Um, which is much better than the alternative of forgetting that's what you've used it for. Yeah. And then cooking the potato. Yeah. That's nasty. And I apologize to anyone listening to this. But I suppose we should get to the story side of this, because that's why you guys are all listening to us. You want to hear a story. But if you stick around after the story, we have we will dive into the story and its themes, and we'll talk a little bit more about the sexiest of all of the foodstuffs, potatoes. was the hardest working labourer in the whole of Donegal. When she first moved to the county, pretty much every farmer wanted her to work on his farm because she worked so hard. They soon began to notice, though, that Maura had one serious character flaw. She was a compulsive liar. She loved lying. She'd lie morning, noon and night. You'd be having a conversation with Maura and you might say, oh, what a beautiful blue sky is above us. And Maura would proceed to try and convince you that it was actually the middle of the night. Most of the farmers shunned Maura for lying they believed was a sin. Pretty much everyone except for Kieran Lynch, who thought that Maura was the most interesting person he had ever met. He would try his best to pick her up every day from the hiring fair and bring her back to the farm. One day, Kieran and Moira are digging spuds, and Kieran unearths from the ground the largest potato he had ever seen. It was so big that he could barely lift it, and he turned to Moira saying, 
smaller. Surely this is the largest potato you have ever seen. Oh, to be sure, Kieran, it is a fine big potato. But it is not so large a potato as my father grew. I remember it well. It was just after Black 47, the final years of the famine. We have thrown all of the blighted potatoes into the compost heap. And the following year, such a large stalk grew out of the compost heap that I was able to climb up it. I climbed all the way to the top and I could see all the way to London Town. I waved at the bell ringer in London Town and he waved back at me. The potato that came from that stalk was so large it took four men to lift it. We had potato morning, noon and night that winter and by the time that spring rolled round I was so very tired of eating potato. A couple of days later, and Kieran digs up the largest cabbage he had ever seen. He puts it in a wheelbarrow and wheels it into the kitchen to Maura. She is seated at the table shelling peas. Maura, said Kieran, surely this is the largest cabbage you have ever seen. Oh, to be sure, Kieran, it is a fine big cabbage, but it is not so big a cabbage as my mother grew. That cabbage was so large that the cows could take shelter beneath its leaves. And one day there was a very heavy rain. The cabbage filled up with water and a stream of water erupted from the cabbage, washing the cows away. They were all drowned. That winter we had beef and cabbage, morning, noon and night. And by the time that spring rolled round, I was so very tired of eating beef and cabbage. A couple of days later, and Kieran wheels an enormous wheel of cheese into the kitchen. It is as broad across as he is tall. Mora, surely this is the largest wheel of cheese you have ever seen in all of your life. Oh, to be sure, Kieran, it is a fine big wheel of cheese. But it is not so big a wheel of cheese as my grandmother made. I remember it well. She was getting old and tired, and she didn't want to be growing vegetables in the garden anymore, in the haggard. So she dug up the whole haggard, she poured milk into the hole, and made a huge wheel of cheese. Around the same time, my favourite dog went missing. I loved her very much, and I was terrified that she might be dead. A couple of months later, though, and my brother Tig is walking alongside the giant wheel of cheese. He hears strange sounds coming from inside it. He presses his ear up to the wheel of cheese, and out from the cheese there comes... Why, our favourite wolfhound, the largest dog, remember, in the world, and twelve of her puppies. It had taken them months to eat their way out of the wheel of cheese. That winter we had cheese morning, noon and night. 
The neighbours had cheese morning, noon and night. The whole parish had cheese morning, noon and night. And by the time that spring rolled round, the parish was so very tired of eating cheese. Maura, said Kieran, you are a very special person. And I think you are exactly the person I need in this moment. My brother is to be hanged tomorrow. Well, we'll do anything that we can to help you, Kieran. Don't you want to know if he's guilty or not? Sure, that doesn't matter. Isn't he your brother? And I'm sure that if I were to rescue him, I would be compensated appropriately. Oh, you would, Maura. I'd give you a thousand pounds. Oh, that should be very welcome, Kieran. For my boyfriend is the youngest son of the King of France. This was many years after the revolution. And he lost all of his money backing the horses in Dublin. So, a thousand pounds would be very welcome in our house. Maura got up very early the following day and made her way to the market town. The whole community was gathered in the square and the hangsman up on the gallows was itching to pull the lever. Maura marched up through the crowd. Not only was she good at lying with her words, she could lie with her body as well. And everyone who looked at her thought that she must be someone important, for she was heading straight to the gallows. She climbed up onto the gallows and she whispered into the headman's ear, You are about to hang an innocent man. I assure you, I have hung many innocent men. How can you prove to me, that's the important thing, that I should really be hanging someone else? I will tell a story to the crowd. At some point in the story, someone will shout up from the crowd that I am a liar. And that is the really guilty person. That is the person that you should be hanging. Maura knew something very important. She knew that there is a cohort of people in the world who value being right above all else. So she turned to the crowd and began her story. It was just after the famine and three of my brothers had died. There were no potatoes to be gotten out of the fields. Everything was black and blighted. So we were worried that we were going to lose our field to the convent next door who needed more land for grazing. My father was very loath to give the field to the nuns. So I set out for Aberdeen to get some oats for the field. I brought my old nag of a horse and together we swam to Scotland. At one point, the horse gave up and I had to carry her on my back. It was one heck of a swim, but we made it to Aberdeen in no time at all. The Scots drive a very hard bargain, and so I spent more money than I would have liked on the oats. I brought it down to the strand, myself and the horse. Together, we were going to swim back to Ireland, but the horse could take no more. So I did the only thing that I could think 
to do at the time. I performed an operation on the horse. I opened her back and I took out her spine. I took a branch of fine lumber and I pared it down, made it as straight as possible and inserted it into the back of the horse. Sure, she was better than new and we swam back to Ireland together. I brought the oats home, but I hadn't realised when I was leaving that my father was very sick. By the time I got home, sure he was dead. I sowed the oats in the field all on my lonesome, but when they eventually grew up, I looked at them and realised that I wouldn't be able to bring them in on my own. I was very hungry. Everyone was hungry in those days. I saw a hare skipping through the field. I threw my sickle at it in the hopes that I'd catch it. But the sickle only barely stuck in the side of the hare, and the hare made off with the sickle up and down the field, hither and over, backwards and forwards, up and down, zigging zagging all over the place. By the time it was tired and bled out on the ground, sure the hare had threshed all of the oats for me. I brought them in. I was very happy. But it would be a long time before I could eat. Still, so I went out hunting, and there was nothing left in the woods, for everyone was very, very hungry after the end of the famine. There was nothing left. I climbed an oak tree in the hope that I might get a few acorns. But there in the crook of the tree, I saw a big pond of water, and in the big pond of water, there was an enormous salmon. I caught the salmon, I brought it in, and I had enough salmon to eat for months afterwards, for the fish was so large. Stop, said a voice from the crowd. Morani Mwenig, you are a liar. I am the finest sailor in Ireland. I have sailed the seven seas, and no matter how far that I have sailed, I have never in my life seen a salmon swimming in a tree. There's your man, said Mara. There is the real criminal. The crowd instantly turned on the sailor. They brought him up to the gallows, and he was swiftly hung. Mara brought Ciaran's brother back home to him. They had one heck of a party. It went on through the night. And in the morning, Mara was given a thousand pounds. She was very glad of it, for she said her boyfriend the youngest son of the king of France, was in desperate need of some money. She was very, very fond of him. She brought it home to him. They lived happily and pleasantly together, or at least that's what she told us. Well, that is a story and a half. Yep. You look so frustrated during that during that story. And I think that's kind of the beauty of the story. Oh, yeah. I was enthralled, but I don't know why. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it, it's, it's an amazing story, first of all. Uh, and not every storyteller can tell that story. I actually think Potty is one of the like handful of people that I've met who can tell that story really well. 
because of what what it relies on is your ability to keep your audience engaged mm. no matter how ridiculous it gets and it got ridiculous oh it gets ridiculous I, I mean it's it's i mean the first section of that story you could tidy up that and you could cut that story in half and it'd be a nice little children's tale yeah i can yeah. picture how it would be illustrated this this idea of the great potato where they stand up on the stalk and they can see London Town. Yeah. I love how Potty says London Town. <laughs> uh, and then you move on to the, the cabbage that grows mm. so big that the, the cattle are taking shelter under its leaves uh, until the great flood comes and washes away all the cattle and they're left eating cabbage and bacon for, 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 for the whole year. Well, cabbage and beef. Cabbage and beef. Cabbage and beef, yes. <laughs> we can, I always got confused over that with cottage pie and shepherd's pie. To me, like, yeah. it was cottage. Like, it's always shepherd's pie. It was always mince. Yeah. And I don't eat lamb, and I've got caught out with that. But shepherd's sheep. Yeah. And I never got that connection. Yeah. Until I accidentally bought the wrong pie. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Very not, sad not So, yes, beef. Beef and cabbage. Mm. Um, and then the cheese. And the cheese. And the dog. And, again, I could see you listening to that. You knew what was going to happen to Every the dog. Every step of that was just... Further than I thought it was going to go. But a, a, like a, again, a children's book with that story illustrated oh, yeah. was so easy to the, do. The wee baby puppies just pouring out the cheese. Yeah, Who just going to see that. Eating their way out of it. But Maura, uh, we were discussing this story and we see that she is a potato farmer from Donegal. Yeah. And she's full of shite. Yeah. She's basically me. Basically you. Yeah. Is potato farming a big thing up in Donegal? In Donegal, we were sheep farmers. That was sheep for our thing. It's, oh. the, it's the Dublin side that were the potato farmers. Ah. North County. Yeah. Okay. So it's, you're, you're a blend of all of this. Just farmer everywhere you go, yeah. Yeah. Do you own many pairs of dungarees? I've got a few goth pairs of dungarees. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, you'd be a goth farmer. Oh, yeah. 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 Is that a thing? Well, I found dark purple carrots. And I, that's what I'm growing at the moment. Goth carrots. Okay. And again, great time of year. Great time of year for yeah. you. <laughs> But you can see how a ridiculous story like this um, just becomes a thing. But I think if every time it's told, you could make subtle changes to it very easily. Oh, yeah. But Moira's character... Moira's character actually reminds me of Potty, though. Full of shit. Yeah, well, it's just... There's, there's nothing malicious in what she's doing. But no, she that's needs very true. to be... She's like a lot of storytellers. She needs to be the centre of attention. And I think we all grew up mm. with someone around us who... You just had to be the best at everything and have to. It didn't matter yeah. what you said. Everything was exaggerated. Yeah. Everything was just one up. Yeah. Because yeah. you had those people, like when I was growing up in the 80s, you always had that person who literally had all... The latest toy comes out, they had it. Yeah. But I had a friend who claimed to have these things. And if you went around to see it, they'd be like, oh, no, no. Like a vulture flew down, <laughs> just picked it up and, and, and was gone. Or, no, I gave it to an orphanage. There was always those yeah. reasons you never saw it. And I can't understand the appeal of being that person. See, when you don't actually have those things. See, to get caught out in it. As yeah. a storyteller now, we have a license to exaggerate and play with the truth. Mm. But I don't know. I wouldn't be able to cope with it. The stress of it as a child. I was a stressed kid anyway. Yeah. You know, and I was content to not to have much. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't have that many friends to boast of either. But this story just celebrates... That very Irish thing of being able to just play with the truth. Yeah. 
uh, and, and not in a way to kind of fool or or do bad by anyone or cheat anyone. Yeah. It's pure entertainment. And to the extremes as well. I mean, the cabbage and the, the cows underneath the leaves, the, the extremity of the exaggeration as well. Very yeah, Irish. But again, that bit I'm all, I'm kind of fine with because it's, <laughs> it's what I expect. It's the swimming to Aberdeen and performing spinal surgery on, yeah. on a horse. Spine transplant on a horse. Yeah, using a large branch, which yeah. came from where? Yeah, yeah. And the horse was better than ever. Oh, Brand yeah. new horse. Yeah, with a rigid timber spine. Yeah, like putting a new engine in an old car. Yeah, that's it. But then she uses that. She's obviously very aware of her skill. Mm. Because then you have the situation with the brother. Yes. And I know you were kind of caught up on what did he do. What did he do? I it's want not to important. Know. It's not important. Do you know what? When you tell that story, you can <laughs> fill in that gap. That's the great thing about Irish storytelling is that you can play with it. Whereas, as Paddy and myself were discussing on another uh, podcast a while back, the Scottish Scottish tradition of storytelling means that you have to repeat it exactly as it was. That's their tradition. With the Irish, when you were invited um, to to exaggerate and play with it a little bit more. But, uh, yeah, the, the fact that she saves the brother, who was most likely guilty. Yeah. And then someone else is just killed in his place. Just for speaking up. Yeah. But for boasting themselves. Like they're claiming to be the greatest sailor. Yeah. Um, um, but the audience is so confused and caught up in the story, they will literally agree to anything. Much like, like us listening to it. Yeah, because yeah. not to agree with it is to say that you don't understand it. And no one wants to be seen as being, as being ignorant. But it's amazing. It's called The Great Potato, but it should be... The Great Liar. They're like, a, yeah. like, it's... I was expecting a lot more potato content. Yeah, I know. But it does allow us to talk about potatoes. And it seems me and you just want an excuse yeah. to talk about potatoes. Um, and we could have talked about cabbage. Could have easily, about yeah. Spinal transplants could have been the theme of all of this. I have watched a lot of Grey's Anatomy. I think I could actually handle that. I can't. Well, Grey's Anatomy is for people who are unhappy. That's the way I see it. <laughs> <laughs> unhappy people also make great storytellers. But yeah, I really hope that you guys listen to that story, kind of have enjoyed it as much as we have. And if you're confused over it, by all means, ask us questions. I don't know if we can answer anything and maybe we'll lynch Paddy and put the camera on him and stick him up on Instagram. Yeah. Um, facing up and taking responsibility for planting that earworm in our heads. Potato AMA. Yeah. <laughs> Potato AMA. We could absolutely do that. Yeah. But listen, we did say like about Concan and we talked a little bit about cures and divination earlier on and our own passion for potatoes. Uh, but we did promise the guys... Uh, Colcannon recipe. Mm. I think we can put the Colcannon recipe up on across all of our social media platforms. Yeah. Podcast probably isn't the best place to um, recite it. To recite it. But there is a great book that we have in the museum. It's called Celtic Folklore Cooking um, by Joanna Sala. And it, it doesn't just cover Irish stuff, obviously, it's Celtic stuff. So we've got a bit of Welsh, we've got a bit of everything in there. But they have a great section on Colcannon, and it says that sound has long been associated with divination spells. Today, Colcannon, like Baron Brack, is eaten at Halloween and often has several charms added to it. Mm-hmm. Now, the ingredients that you need for are very simple. It's like, well, it says two to two and a third pounds of potatoes. You're going to double that, you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. And then you've got your cabbage cooked, your onions, salt and pepper to taste. But it's the items that you put into the Colcannon. Mm. 
Now, I know if I was to go online and talk about this, someone correct me and go, no, you're wrong, it's this, or that's not called canon, that's what you do with Baron Brack. There's no one way of doing these things. And we know that called canon being used for divination, again, goes back to the kind of early to mid-18th century. But you put a ring in, a coin, a stick, a pea, a thimble, you wrap them in parchment or, or waxed paper, and you put them in it, and you want to find certain things. A pea? A P, yeah, I wasn't sure on the meaning of the P. They have it here, and the book does. The book is very detailed. It's amazing. So many different recipes, and then give you the folklore behind it. But um, yeah, I wasn't sure about the P. Yeah, that's because surely you just accidentally eat the P, unless the P is also wrapped. Oh yeah, anything that you put in has to be wrapped so you don't accidentally swallow it. I mean, you could swallow a stick. I'd be happy with that because I love sticks. Hmm. But the ring and the coin. But the ring was always the next to be married. Is yeah, the coin was going to be that you were going to, you know, uh, be wealthy. You're going to be successful. Yeah. The stick was that you were going to be broke. You're going to be a pauper. Oh. That was also if you had a rag in the brack as well. Yeah. So you can use your own things, putting them into it. I wouldn't suggest putting in anything that's poisonous, like some lead. Yeah. Um, some mercury um, wrapped up. But uh, yeah, the, the pea and the thimble are probably yeah. quite local kind of traditions. But what we'll do is we'll put this up on, uh, we'll put a link to it and we'll put it up across, I think, because we've got more recipes, especially for coming into the winter. Yes. I yeah. mean... Potatoes are very much a comfort food. Oh, yeah, I yeah. eat my feelings. and oh, yeah. Just give me all of the potatoes. Yeah. Um, all through winter, all I'll eat a stew. And... and Friends, I'll do that in the summer as well, but that is the reason <laughs> I am shaped the way that I am shaped. Uh, but yeah, this we'll also put a link up to this book yes. and a picture of the book as well, because it is absolutely amazing. And it's a real 70s vibe to the book. Very much so, yeah. I mean, I don't think there's any food that's used in this that is not green or beige. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. think, I think there's, there's some cultures that would probably look at the ingredients in this book and... Be horrified. Be horrified, yeah. I mean, I don't think paprika is mentioned once. No. Uh, in, inside of this. But uh, there's some great Welsh recipes in there as well. And you can always play around with it, of course, you know? Yeah. But in terms of mashed potato, which is my favourite form of potato, before we leave, I just want to check something with you. Yes. What is the ratio of butter to potato in your head for a good creamy mash? Oh, lots, a lot of butter. I don't like when it's like runny. You see some people make it and it's like, that's way too liquid. No, it should be like, like a plasterer's like bucket. Yes. That's what I want. Yeah. Plasterer's bucket of Then mass. loads of salt. 50, I have to go easy on the salt now. I'm not getting any younger. 50-50 <laughs> potatoes, butter. No, I'd be more 60-40, I think. 60% butter, 40% potato. <laughs> All the way around. <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, thank you, Tara, so much for coming on this. We're definitely going to have to get you on tomorrow. They can't all be potato-related. Can they not? No, they can't all. I mean, we'll do, like, maybe we'll do the carrot one next, and uh, <laughs> yes. you can post pictures of your purple purple carrots. Uh, there's a tongue twister in there somewhere. <laughs> purple parsnips. Purple parsnips. Purple. These are, the exercises, these are the exercises we should do before we come on to the podcast. But guys, listen, I really hope you enjoyed the story. If you have any divination stuff around potatoes or any information around potatoes, uh, please give us a shout. Uh, it's generally going to be Tara on the other end. 
dealing with it. So just some, maybe just go and say hello to Tara. Yeah, fill yeah. my day. Yeah, you know, your day is pretty full already. That is very true. Mostly we're eating potatoes yeah. and drinking peach flavoured drinks. I love peach flavoured drinks. I know you do. Anyway, guys, thank you so much. You can go and check out our videos over on YouTube. You can listen back to past episodes of our podcast. You can engage with us in any platform that exists. We are probably there. I know you are, Tara, anyway, even if it isn't something that the museum is doing. But uh, you can find us anywhere, and we will talk to you again very, very soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.